0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Mass Construction Show. I'm your host, Joe Kelly, and this is the podcast about all things construction in Massachusetts and beyond. In this episode, we're going to do it's going to be a uh, repost of a LinkedIn live we recently did. You're going to notice it's going to be a bit sporadic because uh, there's comments coming in. I'm answering some people's questions live in the moment. Um, doing screen shares, things like that. So it's a little bit choppy. I tried to edit out as much as I could. Uh, and despite the choppiness, I think you're going to enjoy the content. Uh, we cover everything from communication as a business owner, um, we talk about how to make building inspectors better. I'm curious what you think about that. We talk about cured meats, my favorite subject, uh, and just engaging with listeners is really a ton of fun and I love it. I want to do more with it. Hopefully it will be with you soon. Enjoy the show. All right, folks. Um, Despite the last go around where, let me make sure I'm recording in multiple places so I don't lose it. Uh, last go around where they ask me anything I had scheduled. Uh, it, for whatever reason, didn't work out. Uh, Restream, which is a third party vendor. Uh, I'm from Boston, uh, Praveen, thanks for asking. Uh, I'll get back on your other question, shortly. Uh, how about you, Praveen, where are you from? Going through the process, we got this thing working smoothly. Today I wanted to talk about a couple things. Last time it was supposed to be an Ask Me Anything. It still can be an Ask Me Anything. Uh, A few questions came in from folks um, just via Instagram and LinkedIn because I mentioned I was going to do it. Um, So I'll answer those questions already. And if there's more questions that come in, great. If not, there's a few things I want to talk about. So what I want to talk about, communication, okay? Communication has really been exposed as um, a major issue since uh, COVID happened. Okay, um, what we realized was that um, having authenticity and communicating with your employees is important, and it was hyper. Um, it was hyper put on notice because. There was a um, issue with folks being laid off or furloughed, uh, a lot of uncertainty. People didn't know if they were gonna have their job, um, things like that. Uh, it's nice to see somebody jumping in here from New York, uh, people asking some COVID questions, so I'll get to that. Um, so the communication was put, everybody was put on notice about communication because they had employees that um, were really uncertain. So I asked people You know, on Instagram, I said, um, Are your companies doing anything in regards to communication right now? And you'll see I took some uh, screenshots here of some of the answers. Um, And you see a lot of excitement from people that their companies were doing it right. So, uh, yes, our president has been doing a great job. Weekly updates, full company Zoom meetings, a lot of exclamation points in there. Yes, they are killing it, exclamation point, right? Um, And then you see the other response, which is no, and it's disappointing. Okay? and I talked to a lot of people that felt like they were disappointed in their company's response and not necessarily the response but more their lack of response right and I think this highlights and talks uh, can show us something even outside of a covid environment that communication with your employees is important if they don't know where the company's going they don't know where they stand uh, as much as on the review what's their career path people leave because they don't see a career path for them in a particular place um, this is off the cuff, but Mike Fish talked about how, you know, he was growing Delbrook and he was going, he was growing Delbrook, um, uh, to give his employees opportunities. So they wouldn't be capped. It wasn't about just making a bigger company. It was about giving the people that work there and the team members another opportunity. So, um, that's definitely an important part of communicating so people know where they're, where they stand and where they're going. Uh, some examples, um, Gaston early on we had Bill Weber on and I'll paraphrase but he just basically said he's like you were a Gaston employee before COVID you're a Gaston employee now and you'll be a Gaston employee when COVID's over. Even though they had to do layoffs the message there was you know you are one of our employees and you're going to be one of our employees and that's important to us and they kept up communication with their employees. Um, JM Electrical uh, Asked me to come in and do some training for them and talk to their employees say hey these are the COVID plans we're going to put in place now mind you a lot of this is kind of already ramped back up and we're we're looking back right now but like I said I think it's a good example for just how we should be operating as a whole but so they brought their employees in, it was a virtual meeting and they said, okay, his, here's what the plan's gonna look like. Here's what we're seeing in the marketplace right now with jobs that are running. This is what GCs are asking for. This is what the jobs is gonna look when you show up. So it's just a way for them um, to communicate with their employees, let them know what's going on. Um, let them know that they're going above and beyond to make sure their employees are safe. All of these things are really important. Um, who else is doing things right Oh Cox engineering would love for you to listen to my conversation the podcast with John Desmond from Cox Engineering talk about an example of authenticity winning the day okay they came out with um, a newsletter not a newsletter just an email to their clients who had questions there was multiple questions coming in so they started sending an email to their clients they started communicating with their employees. Um, And it started off as something that kind of just looked like this cobbled together email and their communication was kind of off. And John talked about how he struggled because he was trying to admittedly um, put a positive spin on things, right? Because he wanted to, he thought, you know, being the person at the top, I should have a positive spin on this. But what he said is the reality is, you know, this is a pandemic. There was no positives. Uh, spin on this okay so um, he just became very authentic started communicating uh, one thing I really liked in one of the emails he sent out it was just a YouTube conversation okay so it was a YouTube post but it was a black screen of two pipe fitters talking about what it was like on a job how how they would normally discuss it and that got it communicated to employees that got shared with thanks Sean. Sean like the Cox uh, podcast um, it was just great to hear how he was and he just said you know he even used the language he was like hey listen if i bullshit people are going to know i'm bullshitting and, and that's a really bad brand okay and he kind of flipped it and looked at it and said okay this isn't how my brand is going to be perceived so what started is like a really kind of you know bootleg email developed into this email that had spreadsheets in it and talked about lead times uh, he was very candid about their own manufacturing arm, not being able to meet dates. Okay. And they were telling that employee, their customers early on, uh, what was some of the other interesting things they were doing there? Um, oh, they had someone that came down with COVID. Uh, that person was recovered and back to work, but they let people know, right, that that had happened to them so they could learn from it. Great example of how communication if done right and done authentically, um, can be a huge win. I'm gonna try and see, I think this allows me to do screen share. Uh, I'm gonna need somebody to tell me if uh, this comes through, because if it does, great. Uh, Like I thought this one here, like Mike Fish was doing videos, right? Hopefully everyone can see this. Oh, oh, I didn't see you there. Oh, excuse me. Oh, hello guys. All right, and for folks that couldn't see that, there was this little what they did was they did these little um, video vignettes, kind of, where uh, let me stop sharing my screen, Uh, where the CEO of the company was giving little video updates. This is what's going on. This is what we're hearing from our clients. Awesome. People can see it. Great. Hopefully, you thought that was funny. Um, I thought it was hysterical. So you've got the CEO. He's got this. He's got a Harvard scarf and hat on, and he's reading the code book for people that listen audio-wise. Reading the building code uh, with this classical music playing in the background, which that was like, it was really kind of funny. I joked with him. I said, you know, by the way, you're reading the wrong edition of the building code, uh, and they got a good laugh out of it. But um, so he's using humor, using video. Um, And they morphed and they went to a more written after, but the long and short is people were being real, people were communicating and they were having success. The companies that weren't communicating to their employees, it sent the real wrong message. So if anybody that's listening out here knows of any good companies that were doing things well, um, I'd love to hear, hear from them. Flutie Flakes, don't know where you're from Mike, but yes, Doug Flutie, the legend, Dropkick. Uh, don't know if you're a Buffalo fan, a Bears fan, or a Pats fan, but um, yeah, Ludwig's a legend. Um, so communication is the key. Just wanted to really talk about that a little bit. So as far as the Q&A goes, let me hit up the ones that are here. Are, are cut-resistant gloves required on mass construction sites per COVID? And the answer is yes. Um, from a COVID standpoint, the um at least at the state level, and I, I'll have to look and see if they've updated it since with all the phasing, but you needed a mask, okay, face covering. You needed eye protection. They only said eye protection, but the, the best practice was either goggles, like you'd have chemistry class or a face shield, um, and then cut resistant gloves. So that would be full PPE under a COVID situation. So if you needed to be working within six feet, that's what they're looking for, um, and Tim Kenny's kicking in. Oh, of uh, the painting company. How you doing, Tim? Uh, mentioning that some of the things are a little difficult to do with cut-resistant gloves, and you do have to look at what are the OSHA standards. of certain things there are certain requirements that they're supposed to be wearing certain gloves for certain conditions. Now remember that you would have to be doing those certain conditions within six feet of someone else to have the cut. Um, Pats fan, like it. I'm all over the place to have the cut-resistant gloves uh, needed. So Flakes, go Pats. Saw an awesome thing where they talked about, uh, hey Tim, where we talked about, where they showed a picture of the Celtics wearing like a Patriots-style uniform and the Patriots wearing, uh, so they had Tatum in a Patriots type basketball uniform and they had Edelman in a Celtics uh, branded um football uniform it looked really cool would love to see that happen so we've got the it's backwards on me i've got the football here we've got basketball there celtics let's go um so that's the deal with communication that's what i've been seeing and i think companies and company leaders like tim who's listening um should really look at communication, how they're communicating with their employees. Uh, one great way, I think, is a internal podcast, a private podcast for employees only, so they can hear, you know, what the CEO or the president is thinking about the business. Um, I think that's like that's the move right now in business, and I've yet to see who's doing it. Um, I recommended it to one of the guests on the podcast, and they really got kind of excited about it. Um, I don't know if he followed through on it, but um, I, I think that's the move, right? Private podcast just for employees. It's pretty easy to be done. If you have questions about it, and you want to do it, let me know there's a platform anchor. Um, I can show you how to get it done um, relatively simply. You'd be surprised. Because you don't need this huge production value, right? You're just trying to communicate a message verbally through audio. So let me see if there's any other questions out there. Yep, there are a lot of people that are just seemingly unaware of what the PPE requirements are under COVID conditions. So, you know, everybody is supposed to have a COVID site safety plan on their project. So if you're a worker there or a subcontractor there, ask to see a copy of it. It's supposed to be kept on site. So um, that might be something for you to do as well. So some questions that came in, and I I really like this one. Uh, As a former city inspector, uh, for folks that don't know me, I was a building inspector in Boston for eight and a half years. Um, Oh, I got all the helmets there. So building inspector, general contractor, same amount of time, eight and a half years. I also worked for the Association of General Contractors um here in Massachusetts and now I work for myself doing co-consulting education for construction companies, things like that. Um so as a former city inspector, what was the one law slash rule you would want to change from a, from the city regarding general contractors? This could be less or more stringent. I thought about this quite a bit, and you know, I don't think From a code perspective, I think there should be any additional regulations or anything that should be loosened. Um, I mean, I I think we grow the code too much, okay? And people have, contractors have trouble keeping up, right? There's all these code changes that are happening and and superintendents in particular, their job keeps growing, their requirements keep growing, their... Uh, the regulatory, the insurance requirements, the paperwork that needs to be done, the technology that's getting implemented, which are all great things, um, but it becomes a lot. And then these code changes happen and they just really struggle to keep up. I know that's what I was as a superintendent. And you're trying to get a project over the finish line and you are just kind of constantly, and they get kind of looked at as hurdles where these more regulatory things just keep getting put in your way is the way you think about it. But um At the end of the day you know at least half the time they're good things okay the good things for everybody for public safety sometimes maybe they've gone too far but a lot of times um, you know fire safety in particular was really kind of just non-existent it was like the Wild West in construction before so I think that's a good thing Um, but long story short I Although I think this may be a little bit of regulation nothing jumped out to me to say, hey, I wish they'd get rid of this regulation or I wish they'd add something more strict here. But what I would say is what I, I think would be great for the industry is if um, building officials were, A, required to have a certain amount of time in the field, and then B, do almost like um, internships. Okay, so a requirement that you know, once every five years, you need to go spend six months working for a general contractor, okay? Or eight months, maybe eight months, maybe nine months, right? Do nine months. So you get a real flavor for what that entails. And I think the larger companies in the city would kind of underwrite that as to want to um, bring in somebody with a different perspective, want to bring in and support and make building officials better by help educating them, because I think two problems have. uh, One, I know that, you know, I did spend eight and a half years building buildings, and I learned that. But then once you're out, things are changing so quickly, you kind of, you're not able to stay on top of everything. Just like the contractors aren't able to stay on top of all the regulations, building officials even struggle to stay on top of it, right? Um, But contractors struggle to stay on top of the regulations. Um, Building officials, have trouble keeping up with all the technology. So I think it would be a great way to get building officials exposure. And it also breaks down, there are a number of building officials out there that haven't had the pressures of a project, whether as an owner and you took on this kitchen renovation and you're losing money and a building official comes out and requests something of you that costs, you know, even if it's a thousand or 2000 or $1,500, like, you could have just taken that whole person's profit, right? Or a homeowner, right? Imagine you as a homeowner um, because of a building official. Now, there are times where it's absolutely required, okay, and necessary. But other times where you're like, okay, did we really need to have an engineer come out and give us a letter on this and pay 2000 or or $1,000 for that? Think about a homeowner having to write a $1,000 check. That's unknown, right? That's a lot. So I think it would really help to have building officials, um, just be aware of those realities and the pressure to, and all the stuff that um, a superintendent or project manager has to deal with on a day-to-day thing. Um, and then ideally, I would love, and the, now this would never be able to happen just because the sheer volume of people that work at construction companies, I would love for people in construction companies to go and you know spend time working as a building official and realize what it's like to have you know, to some extent, depending on where you're working, people lie to you all day long, right? Um, so, you know, I was lucky that I felt like I have pretty good relationships with people and I worked with larger GCs when I was in a building official. And they, for the most part, wanted to do the right things. But a lot of times people are trying to hide things from you and lie to you and not give you information. And really you just want them to be honest, right? Um, So I think that would really benefit the industry if building officials were required to do some type of internship every once, every five years, whatever, to stay current and understand the realities. Someone asked, I think people would like to hear about butchery. You do, as I know I am. So what he's talking about is I like to um, like make sausage, Capricol, dried sausage, so some fresh stuff, some dried stuff, so I grabbed, you know, a lot of time it's a matter of taking one of these like old school um, meat grinders and you're cranking that, cranking that thing out and you're making sausage and you use a casing which is from the intestines of the pig. You grind up some, sausage you make it um, again I'll do a little screen share if people are listening to this if I do it in a podcast format uh, head on over to LinkedIn if you want to watch the video but I'll try to tell everybody what I'm talking about okay I'm gonna break in here real quick this is not part of the live um, but if you want to see what I'm talking about here in this section where we're going to talk about some of the meats that I care and things uh, people really seem to like that on Instagram so maybe you might like it um, You can, as I mentioned, go to my LinkedIn profile, Joseph Kelly on LinkedIn, or go to the Mass Construction Show YouTube page um, that I'll put in the show notes. The YouTube page has been pretty kind of non-existent to this point, but uh, I'm trying to bring it to life. Uh, I'm going to be doing a kind of how-to coming up um, on dry pressurized standpipes and standpipes in general about how they work. And I'm just trying to add more video content from the podcast. So please head on over there, check it out. And if you like it, feel free to subscribe. Now back to the show. So for instance, uh, this is making Capricole. It's about butchering a pork butt or what some people might call a pork shoulder into like one solid piece of meat, right? And then you salt cure it, get all the water to come out of it, and then you tie it up season it with whatever spices and then hang it um a cut of meat that size you just saw there is probably six to eight weeks drying time and you end up with actually i'll show you the stuff at the meat after i brought it in here with me um other thing is you're grinding up sausage like this there's the machine and then you're casing it and then you're hanging it like Showed you, you're adding more salt. Um, the important thing is temperature and humidity. And in this case, we're doing it in a basement. Uh, I don't recommend you do that at home. Okay, and I'm with an old Italian guy. He's been doing this for years, um, so he's a pro. Um, some other things. We did a prosciutto one year. Um, here it is for people that are not watching it is a leg of a pig thigh and this one happens to be covered with mold where the skin is not and that's kind of the old-fashioned way to do it where now you see some of these meat places it looks like it's almost a lab there's no mold growing on it but I'll tell you this much when you ate that prosciutto and you can see a little bone here I don't know if you can see my cursor Uh, that's the bone that was left in in this one and by allowing it to cure and allowing i don't know the actual science but allowing that mold and the uh, organisms to do their work that prosciutto tasted almost like cheese it was better than any prosciutto from whole foods or uh you know the from Argio or any of the fancy cheese and meat places it was really cool stuff uh, so i'll stop sharing real quick in the end result is we shrink wrap something like this this is one of the capitals right this one happens to be toasted coriander which is a great seasoning and then shrink wrap you'll see how much the kind of sausage shrivels up when you do it that way Uh, some other stuff you'll see Instagram is a good place to follow if you're interested in that type of stuff that's where this question came in Uh, just like rendering pork fat what's that like and the effect on your health you know it's really positive effects using animal fat versus you know corn oil or canola oil or anything last question here if money was no object but you still had to have a day job would you be doing something different and if so and what why i would be doing the podcasts i would probably do the podcasts full time uh there's so much content that i have now like right now i have this uh video i'm working on for people in Boston, there's a requirement for a pressurized dry standpipe in a high-rise, but even for people that don't need to put in a pressurized dry standpipe, um, just understanding how a standpipe works, right? So I have all this video that I took and I want to cut it up and I'm going to have um, Lieutenant Towski narrate it for me and it's going to talk about, okay, hey, here's when the fire department shows up, here's what they're looking for, this is why signage is important. Um, the fire department connection is where you hook up. You see them hook up to a a, um, a hydrant, and then run the hydrant, run from the hydrant to the pump, and then from the pump to the standpipe. So just how all that works. Like, so I want to create that video content for people to learn. Um, so like, there's video content I want to do. There's more people I want to talk to. There's written content I want to do. But the trouble I have is I need to have a day job to pay the bills because I have a family and a mortgage and all that other kind of stuff. Um, maybe I need somebody good to underwrite Um, I will tell the family that moldy meat is actually good don't throw it out there you go (laughs) nice Eric Uh, I wish I still had some uh, prosciutto left I'd give you a slice Um, but yeah no so if I had my druthers I would probably not be doing all the paid work and do the um, you know do the podcast full-time and until I have somebody come in and underwrite the show like PBS style, you know, whether it's uh, some big construction company or a tech company that wants to underwrite us doing cool things and educating the construction community, until then I have to do my day job. So um, I would probably abandon all that, do the podcasts, do the written content, do the videos, and just, you know, pump out content construction related and really kind of hang out with people that I can learn from. Because a big part of doing this podcast was about helping me and as a result, helping you get better at what you do. I really feel like um, we're all in this business and we know our little world, like I'm looking at Sean and Eric and Eric works for an insurance company and Sean works for a general contractor on the PM side and they know their little worlds, but they don't know you know, Sean might not understand all the insurance vehicles that he works for, you know, Jake Allen and he might not know all the insurance vehicles and coverages that they have that Eric knows. And Eric might not understand all the day to day stuff that, he, that Sean is going through in the super. I heard. So the PMs that I had on recently, I heard from a lot of supers that it was really nice. They were glad they could hear um, what goes into being a project manager and buying out a job. Right, So that was uh, pretty exciting. So the answer to the question really is, um, yeah, I would love to just keep doing this, keep sharing information um, and helping myself and everybody else get better um, at being a construction professional. So let's answer a couple more questions that are coming here. Um, we should create an app to help contractors stay up to date with building codes. It sounds like it would be good. Let me see if I can read that a little better. It would be a good solution. Yeah, UpCodes is doing some interesting things. Um, If you want to look at the website UpCodes, um, they're trying to build a software that can basically do a plan review Um, and they're doing a pretty good job. So folks should check out UpCodes. They're kind of meeting that need. Margo, if you have the tech solution uh, to make that happen, I'd be happy to give my input uh we're hearing from sean joe have you heard about norwood hospital i heard through healthcare friend i mean they need a complete gut rental because of the flood um i did not hear about that that would be interesting if anyone's heard about uh norwood hospital being flooded out um that would be an interest like uh eric was just talking about the moldy meat okay that we mold moisture in hospitals is bad news um, do you think Flutie Flakes would have been whom he became without Phelan catching the ball? Wow, see, okay. So Jim is a uh, old school Bostonian. All the 20-somethings that are listening, they're going to have... M- oh, no, well, maybe it's so infamous. People tell me. Is it, is it so iconic, the catch, where Phelan catches Flutie's ball to win the game against Miami, right? Uh, University of Miami um that's a great question i mean he was pretty awesome prior to that um and just you know what i think he had going for him not only was he good he was entertaining um and that just played really well to watch him scramble and chuck the football and we saw it with like the bootlegs and being a little guy right relatively short guy being a quarterback um, in the nfl and knowing about going to canada and trying that and uh, the drop kicks. Oh, we got Tim Kennedy, Tim, Kenny <laughs> chiming in saying absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, Fallon made it, uh, you know, made him part of history. Right. And whatever happened to Gerard Fallon, I don't know. I don't know if he ever even made it to the pros. Um, so uh, yeah, the long story short is I think he would have just cause he was so entertaining. Right. Um, and he had so much stacked against him he was an easy guy to root for like i said being a little guy uh, you're coming about working for contractor first i worked for a large gc for nine years which helps me understand customers better most of my hires um, come from the construction industry okay so eric um, who works on the insurance side of the business um, was lucky enough to have that contractor background i think that Similar to me, you know, that helped me when I went to the building department helped me went on to the AGC to actually have, you know, put on work boots in the morning and got there at five and eat off a coffee truck and try and push a job. Right. Um, And I think it's interesting that Eric tries to hire construction folks to his group, right? Um, So that's certainly interesting, but all right, these were some great questions thanks to everybody that hopped on and listened if there's any more questions throw them in there now I'll be happy to answer them I think I might have something else on the second page um, oh, okay so any questions throw them in but I did want to talk a little bit again I you know I always it's, people might think I'm sitting on this fence going back and forth between um, the building official role where I do a lot of code stuff now right and The contractor role because like I said I've lived in both worlds so I kind of sympathize with both so when I try and write a 241 plan for somebody I feel like I understand where they're coming from right and how they're trying to get a job across the line they want to do it safely but this is adding a lot of work to them so how can we do it easily and it's really easy to write a plan that just says here's how you meet the code Go right, but or and here's where you should put your fuel storage and your dumpster and stuff like that. But you know, you might have been planning to put your lay down area there, or you need to figure out how you're going to have your dumpster pulled and you can't put fuel storage there. And you know, just think about the constructability side of things. Um, I think is really important to bring to the table when you're putting a plan together. And that's why I think general contractors should probably write a lot more of their own plans. Um, but I'm going to talk a bit now about municipalities. So, I had worked with a couple of municipalities when this COVID um, outbreak happened to try and do some training and work with how they were going to roll things out. Um, you know, and I was working with them with respect to the building department side of things. But in reality, it was eye opening for me to see like the inspectional services department at a lot of these places, right? They uh, license daycares, they license restaurants right they license summer camps okay and then you look at the transportation department when people want to put outdoor seating and how are we going to do outdoor seating and how are we going to take away parking and so while everyone was saying how do we get construction up and running again because it's essential and you know i don't know why they just can't figure out a way to do this and remote inspections and that's great all this attention needs to be put on construction but at the same time they're trying to those same group of people in inspectional services are trying to figure out how do we get restaurants open how do we put um seats in the road uh how do we do a cleaning what distance you know what do we get for health inspectors how can we have daycares get back opened up so we can go to work and how do you keep a 2 year old how do you get them to have a mask on like there was so many things they were trying to deal with so i think it's a good thing to end with just um you know as much as myself included you like to beat on the city or the state or whatever municipality for being you know not up to date and dinosaur and all sort of stuff but under this COVID situation um, municipalities Boston in particular um, they should be commended for the work they were doing to try and get everybody up and running Um, I know there was some frustration and trying to do online permitting all that kind of stuff but there was a lot that these municipalities were dealing with, uh, it wasn't just construction. So keep in mind, they're not just dealing with construction. They're, like I said, daycares and schools and restaurants and bars and uh, uh, summer camps, right? All these things that were getting shut down. So that's it. Don't see any more questions coming in. Thanks to Sean and Jim and Eric and Margo and Dennis and uh, Todd and Praveen. Um, appreciate all your stuff. Um, any questions for people that I didn't get answered, feel free to just shoot me a DM. I'll be happy to answer them. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Uh, Talk to everyone soon. All right, MassCons. Let me know if you like this. Let me know if you want to go live anywhere else, whether it's Instagram, LinkedIn. Do I neglect Facebook to my own regret? uh, Neglectish or whatever the hell I'm trying to say to my own detriment. Um, should I be on YouTube? I see there's a YouTube Live. Maybe that's a place to go, and that's a good reminder. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel if you want to start seeing some video content from us. But either way, MassCons, you guys are great. Love doing this, I loved interacting, and I will see you next week. Check it out you know it's funky 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 cause you heard it from here see? a jam that you love that don't be getting no airplane strictly for front when you're riding around 12 o'clock at night with your windows down headlights blinking cause your batteries drain armor all on your tires and a big gold chain parking outside all the hip-hop spots push the eq and play connect the dots lean to the side people everywhere the trunk full of ants ain't no room for a spare